You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Wanna wanna introduce uh, Alex Grinch, uh, our new defensive coordinator, uh, safeties coach here to, to Sooner Nation. Uh, feels like it's been a long time coming now, but certainly uh, a hire that I'm, I'm I'm just thrilled with. This is uh, I think I made the comment uh, when I first got hired. This this is a one percenter, you know, and and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of programs that that, that maybe make that claim, but uh, th this is uh, um, the the elite of the elite. than ever it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com presented by the Choctaw Casino and Resort in Durant now here's the entire Soonerscoop crew Carrie Josh Eddie and Bob all right we are back ladies and gentlemen another edition of the Choctaw Casinos and Resort in Durant unofficial 40 as a lot of things have been put to bed since the last time we talked to you guys, Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch having their joint press conferences over the weekend. Uh, we got to talk to Roy Manning and also Brian Odom, the newest coaches, uh, newest assistant coaches on the Oklahoma coaching staff. Uh, you've, you've got uh, recruiting that's still ongoing as well. Junior day is coming up. Uh, OU basketball is not, uh, well, they've fallen out of the top 25. Uh, I guess we won't have an OU practice or OU football update today. Or OU I, basketball. I, I, I bet we'll have OU a couple basketball updates. Update, yeah. Uh, yeah, but let's start off at the top with uh, I think what one everybody wanted to talk about this week, and that's the OU women's basketball program. <laughs> uh, Sherry Cole and the group they lost again over the weekend. This time by thirty five. Last 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 night too. No, I'm just kidding. No one cares. Uh, Eddie, you were there. People care, but okay, I let's care. go to Bob. Uh, What's up, Bob? You uh, are not under suspension uh, now. You were there at the press conference. Alex Grinch spoke. I think everybody was. Uh, uh, looking forward to hearing a new defensive coordinator speak and what he would have to say. What was your main takeaway? Just everything's about men, the the mentality. It's about okay. You're ruining all effort. my sound clips. Let's go to Alex Grinch <laughs> uh, and talk about takeaways and uh, what he was able to do at Washington State, where they at, where they had 24 takeaways uh, last time he was a defensive coordinator. Yeah, we, you know, we, we kind of, uh, you know, uh, coined the phrase, to, you know, takeaways equal victory. And, and, and so it, it, uh, it, it stems from the fact that the sole purpose of the defense to be on the football field is to get the ball back to the offense. And in, in, for whatever reason, in other sports, no one seems to be confused that way. If you're playing bang, you use other uh, sports as reference. But, you know, in basketball, if you're defending a guy, you know, you want to take the ball away from him. And, and so defensively, you know, from you want to you know contain yards. You obviously want to limit points, but the purpose behind every play in football is for the the defense to get the ball back to the offense. And you know, oh by the way, that the ball doesn't have any working knowledge of who it's supposed to 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 uh, be thrown to. It does. It doesn't know that the quarterback is supposed to throw it to a receiver. It doesn't know it's supposed to stay in the running back's arms. And so, if the ball doesn't know 
uh, then, then how on earth do we know? So that, that gives us every opportunity on every snap of football to get the ball back. I literally had never thought of a football having a brain until Alex <laughs> Grinch had a press conference. I was pretty damn close to Bob Diaco. Uh, the thing about defense is it's the defense. It's like flying in a spaceship, coming back in for reentry. He had a lot of... Um, I don't really know what I was expecting as far as hearing Alex Grinch uh, talk because I really hadn't seen any a whole lot of interviews with him. I think the only thing that I had seen of him being in a... Uh, some type of interview setting was that clip that when he was still in uh, Pullman and uh, completely kind of was an asshole to the uh, reporter when they were asking about Ohio State and him taking the job. Uh, but I thought he he had a, a really good press conference as far as uh, he clearly has a vision for what he wants this defense to be. And I, I think that that's something that maybe has been lacking. Uh, I think something that obviously a lot of people wanted and uh, it'll be interesting to see how he uh, instills it. They they clearly have a plan, though, and it's basically you don't have to be a five-star to give a lot of effort is basically what he said. Here's what here's the clip. It uh, helps when you're a five-star. That, that, you know, I, what, what I was most impressed with, uh, I was impressed with the whole thing about the football doesn't know where it's supposed to go. But this, I mean, we spend so much time on the message boards, and people spend so much time. It's like the dungeons, and it's like turning football into Dungeons and Dragons. I, I, it's the same thing with, you know, I call uh, Phil Stills' gambling guide, his football preview, the Dungeons and Dragons guide to college football because it's just so nerdy. And people love nerding out. They love saying, uh, well, you didn't play football. You don't know what, you know, you don't know the intricacies of the game like I do. Uh, dude, you played in high school. Shut your ass. All right, um... Anyway, everybody gets so caught up in that stuff. What it comes down to is actually guys playing hard, guys playing harder than the other team. And I think we've all seen it. It didn't matter what the hell OU, what scheme OU ran this year. Those guys didn't play hard. I mean, you would watch other teams. You would watch, uh, you watch Alabama. You would watch Clemson. I mean, those teams played so much harder defensively than OU did. And it was a lot about effort. And I, Alex Grinch really you know, kind of hit home with that point. On Sunday, and and I mentioned the defense this week. It's it's an effort-based defense. You know, effort's the greatest equalizer in sport, which means it also can go both ways. And so, if you allow that individual across from you to play with more effort than you, you know, you can have the fanciest scheme in the world, and it's not going to do you a whole lot of good. But but so in in any event, you know, just just you know, understand the impact that way. Understanding that when you talk about you know takeaways and you make an emphasis of it, and I think where it's 24, 23, 28, three years running. That, that you know you get what you demand and then you make it a big deal on a day to day from a practice standpoint so no certainly you you, you draw from those experiences but but you, you don't allow yourself to be naive to say that you know you just can check those boxes because you know you did some of those things in your past and uh, we'll bring Josh question in because we've just left him hanging but Josh I, I I mean just I think it that says a lot right there and, and you can comment on this just watching this team uh, every year and, and just being able to see other teams play this team, it was clear, and it wasn't. It wasn't so much about the schemes with Mike Stoops, and everybody lost their mind about all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, three, four, and three, you know, th- you know, three, three, five, or whatever, or four, three. What it came down to is Mike Stoops failed to reach that team to get them to play at a high level. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, you, you know, and you heard, you know, even when when Buki made the comment the night of that, they clear. I mean, there clearly was a disconnect between him and a lot of the players, and I. You know, you don't know where that happens. You don't know why it happened. You don't know if it was continuous, if that was 
the problem of the last three or four years or if it was just this team. You know, it's hard to know where everything begins and ends. I, my my issue always was, and you guys kind of touched on it a second ago, I thought there was always kind of a moving idea of what they wanted this defense to be. There was never, this is what we're going to do. We believe in this. We're going to build this way. It was kind of like, well, we'll try a little of this. We'll try a little of that. And I thought it affected recruiting because they could never that th- you never were like, okay, that looks like an OU three, four outside linebacker. That looks like OU's nose tag. Like, it was just a moving target at all times, and so it was kind of hard to grasp what they were trying to do. I mean, they recruited Kenneth Mann and Ron Tatum for the same position. Those are two very, very different guys and very different players, so it was kind of hard to know where where they were trying to go. This group, from everybody I've talked to already, I mean, and you know, I know you guys sitting there talking to him, it was pretty clear as well. This is, there's no question. They know exactly what they want to be, it's just a matter of how quickly they can kind of install that and get themselves there. I, I think that's a part of it, the recruiting and having a system. And I've said that many times. Like, you've got to have a system that you recruit to that you just plug guys in uh, and you make it work. Now, I think the thing about Alex Grinch is he has been able to make defensive work defenses work when he didn't have the talent level that he had at Oklahoma, when he didn't have the talent level that he had at Ohio State. Uh, and I think – you know, Lincoln Riley seemed to be pretty clear that that was one of the reasons, guys, that you know he was so enamored with Alex Grinch in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely seemed like um, I don't, I don't know. Did you? I mean, I, I kept thinking, and I think you said it this morning, Bob, was the fact that we sat there and you just kept thinking that this is 2015 all over again, as far as. Has Lincoln Riley basically went out and hired himself, but in the defensive form? Correct. Right. That, that's what I've been trying to say. You know, Bob Stoops gave Lincoln the keys to the offense. Lincoln's doing the same with Alex in terms of the defense and believing he's found the defensive version of himself from four years ago. And now here you go. Do whatever you need to do to try to fix it. You bring in Manning, you bring in Odom, you bring in his guys, his mentality, his way. Now go get the job done. You know, I mean, he had success as a defense coordinator. He went to Ohio State, uh, and I think that was purely a money thing. Just Washington State didn't want to pay, and he got, what, 800000 or whatever it was from Ohio State to go be a co-DC. Uh, I mean, this is clearly for him his chance to really make his mark that he didn't have at Ohio State. He would have had to wait for uh, Greg Schiano to, to clear the way, and then which – did happen, right? They got yes, rid of Shiano. It did anyway. happen, yeah. yes. Even after he left. So, uh, I, I mean, the thing is here, what's interesting to me is Greg Shiano is going to be coaching one of the positions, if not the position, that they had the most problems with last year, the safety position. So, I mean, as a position coach. You mean he, Grinch. 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 Who did I say? Shiano. Shiano Grinch, yeah. See, <laughs> I'm trying to do too many things one time. Uh, the, the thing about it is. It'd be interesting if they brought Shiano in. Yeah. <laughs> Showers would be clean. It's not. Oh he had nothing to do with that, Clay Travis. Uh, so anyway, he not only is he has to be the defensive coordinator, but he has to fix one of the most broken positions on the entire roster. How, yeah. How far away are they, as far as from a safety position? And I, I mean, is it is it clearly just a lack of talent, or did they start a guy like Adele or Turner yell last year that? Does he have a chance at being a somebody? Yes, I say yes. I mean, he was a freshman. Because he has I can size. understand. I mean, that's their biggest problem. They have no size in the secondary. Yeah. 
And how how quickly does Barnes come come back? I think that hit by Jacobs will. I don't know if it'll keep him out the entire spring, but I think it's a lot bigger deal than just a two to three week thing for him. Well, some circles think he should have to retire after taking a hit like that. It's embarrassing. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm it's not talking about it physically. Embarrassing that, that, to your career, right? He got ran over. That's something you mentally off, have to come back from. Get off the tracks when the train's coming through, type of thing. It's it's. I mean, it really is. It's like I thought he was dead. I thought I I thought he was dead on the field. It's kind of like Sea Biscuit, isn't it? Like he might have to go just live on a farm for a while. Yeah, but Sea Biscuit probably got like a hundred hundreds of millions of dollars to have sex and get for well, the. Well, not uh, then. He wasn't. Well, was he studying while he was recovering? I don't know. It's a good question. Not Probably a good recovery not, to me. Not too. Not Sea Biscuit <laughs> was a gelding, right? No. What's a gelding? I don't even know what that is. I just threw that That's out there. That's horse talk. Hey, sweetheart. <laughs> we need to get Some Chris, people will get that. We need okay. to get Chris Lincoln on the phone. <laughs> Call him up. <laughs> Let me tell you about Seabiscuit. Gelding means they can't breed, right? Yeah. Well, they cut them. off their yeah. dick. I have no idea. I don't know if... could see, Did Seabiscuit have a penis? Google that. All right. Sea biscuit. Did I just go that sea biscuit penis? Eddie's got his computer here. He's. A, I don't want to ruin your that's search never, history. That's never been searched on this computer. No, by the way. no. Thank God. <laughs> uh, Could sea biscuit sire? Could sea biscuit? Sea biscuit pump. was the 1938 horse of the year. Was it a gelding? This is a riveting podcast. Oh, here we go. Sea biscuit stallion or gelding? Uh, God, what if I'm right? Sea Biscuit made little impact as a sire. Is one of the uh, uh, article titles from 2003 in the DRF Daily Racing. So he had a penis. Yeah, if he sired at all, he then sired. He was, mm-hmm. We just don't know if he was. I don't know a girl named like, Mia that would like that. So Robert Barnes has to go to a farm now and just just make kids until he until he's better. And we thought going. I, mean, in, I guess that's a long way to get around to saying this that. This is potentially uh, is this a is this racist <laughs> segment? We're comparing a, a an athlete to a horse. I'm gonna go ahead and no. go. Yes, this is this species. <laughs> that's species. Makes me comfortable. Sorry, Arkansas. You, you might have won this round. Anyway, yeah, but the safety position back on track. Uh, look, it's it's interesting because I mean they actually weren't terrible when Fields came into the game after Barnes went down in fact you could say they might have been a little bit better is he the guy that gets written off like even though he actually played fairly well in that game like nobody's talking about pat fields as a guy that's going to compete for one of the starting jobs and honestly in kind of a tough spot like he didn't play at all during the regular season and good luck you just got thrown in against alabama yeah and by the way your team's down by a million right now. and they have the they have the uh blitnikoff winner yeah yeah, you could see that the coaches start liking Fields more because he was in uh, against Texas when they went to a nickel set. Yeah, that's true. You know, so Fields started to see action a lot more. I think people are just concerned with him is the lack of size, too, and you just see that across yeah. the board. So when Barnes is your only, only guy with size and then he gets taken out, then you start to wonder where's it going to come from. Is it Jamal Morris? I don't know. How early can it be for someone like uh, like that, but yeah, I mean, size is clearly an issue when you did look Cle- at. Did Clemson have a lot of size in the secondary? 
I mean, because Alabama didn't this year. No, I mean, Deontay Thompson was long, but right. they didn't have a. I mean, they didn't uh, have a big killer. They didn't have. I mean, in in not like uh, Collins was that big. I Isaiah, mean, Isaiah Sims is six two two thirty is what he's listed at for Clemson. Yeah, yeah, but he was kind of their little bit hybrid you know, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was he twelve? Number twelve. Uh no he was he was eight I think. Uh, yeah that Something sounds like that. sounds I'm sure he was right. a single digit I'm just I'm just wondering out loud like what is a championship safety look like now I tell you something is everybody 11. small eleven Yep there you go and from Kansas probably a guy that oh you could have recruited but I mean I Actually, guess what's what's weird is like I mean Texas to me almost has like a prototypical secondary like what you'd want. BJ yeah. Foster gonna be yeah, damn Foster's good. really good. Stearns is really good. I mean, they got some guys that hit. Can the the battle between their secondary and Oklahoma's group of receivers the next two or three years is gonna be a lot of fun. That's yeah. a lot of NFL guys going head to head. Yeah. Caden Stearns only listed at six foot two oh five. He's not huge. But that's better than five ten one eighty. Sure. Yeah. That's twenty pounds. It's a big difference. I mean when you look at it physically, Robert Barnes is the only guy that if you looked at his listed height and weight, you would think like, okay, that's, that's a potential NFL guy. Like if you were just doing it, just like I said, just off the numbers, he's the guy that you'd be like, okay, maybe him. And he's the only one in that entire secondary you look at and you go, oh, that's a safety. Yep. Yep. Oh, Turner Yell looks like a corner. Buki looks like a – Buki is a corner. He's a safety, Josh. Sorry, I almost misspoke. I almost let it happen. So I, someday, I, I mean, it is. I mean, you were over. T- you guys were over talking to Roy Manning, and I don't have any clips from him. Uh, but I know he was asked a lot about, you know, how do you go about rebuilding this? Kind of what was his thoughts on how he was going to approach those guys? What he didn't do, he didn't go into like scheme. He didn't talk about if he's going to be press or back off, kind of like the way the Sooners had go with zone or man. Yeah, or- he didn't go any into that stuff. But he just talked about, you know, they have to know what it feels like to have success again and to expect it and to get that confidence back up. And he said that that starts with him. He's got to bring that attitude in, and those guys have to follow his lead. He's going to be very vital in that type of role. But he's like, if if you go through spring practice and all the weight room and the summer and training camp, why wouldn't you expect? to have a lot of success. So it's just going to be about changing that mindset. And, and it's just weird because all those guys are coming back. You know, they didn't have a senior once Houghton went down. They didn't have a senior in the b- backfield. So who recovers the fastest? You know, I think Trey Brown is someone that you can look to. Yeah. But outside of that, that's just become a crapshoot as to who's going to become the guy that bounces back the quickest and fits in with Manning and Grinch. I, I mean, it, it's crazy to say, but... To me, Motley is the one guy that's proven he can bounce back. I mean, I don't know how Norwood's going to react after this year because, I mean, he had some rough spots. And whether it was the Alabama game or the OSU game, there are times when he just – I mean, he's been the most – he's been the consistent guy. And let's face it, he was Kerry Cooks's guy. Like, that was his yeah. favorite guy. It, it was pretty clear. So I'd probably agree with that. When, when you move Trey Norwood to safety because he's not getting it done at corner, that's, that's a pretty big you're my guy. Like, I'm going to find a way to have you on the field. I thought maybe because they didn't trust Buki or Turner Yell. So they went with someone that they felt that Carey probably I think trusted. They, I, th- I think they just felt like they could trust Motley and Trey Brown more as, as corners. 
and that they could have him. Like, the NFL's starting to call it a slot corner. Did you guys notice that? I don't know if you... Yeah. I mean, that's the NFL has invented a new position called the slot corner. It's for all the Wes Welkers of the world, the the Am, you know the Amendolas and the Edelmans and... Gotta think of another white guy. Come on. I was going to say... Call him Beasley. I was going to... Hunter Renfro's <laughs> not even in the league yet. Oh, he's about to be. <laughs> he and... In, in, uh, Taylor Cornelius would be a great match. They're both going bald. Yeah, I didn't Sorry, realize Kersey. that. Uh, I didn't realize that Hunter Renfro had a situation like that on top of his head. Well, he's seventy three years old. Yeah, I didn't. I, I knew that he was an elder statesman, but I did not realize that it was that bad. He is, in fact, older than Eddie. So, by the way, uh, one last clip from Grinch to kind of wrap up uh, what we we're talking about. He was asked. Kind of point blank, what scheme is he going to run? Uh, what scheme is he going to run? And Alex Grinch, who gave no details, but uh, did say a lot of things in his opening press conference, uh, had this to say about the type of defense that he's going to run. Yeah, and we, we kind of use the phrase downhill approach, and, and, and really what we mean by that is, is being less reactionary. You know, there's, there's an element to it, obviously, defensively. You know, the offense knows the play they're running. Obviously, we have to react to where the ball is. So, I mean, that, that's, that's football. But, tr- but trying as best we can to put our guys in a situation that, um, you know, an offense has to react to you, you know, to, again, to, to a certain extent. Um, and, and, you know, single gap defense in, 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 our, in our front. Um, so that the guys have an understanding where they need to be, uh, kind of when they need to be there, and how they got to get there. You know, m- much more emphasis on on the on the how as opposed to to the what. Um, we we you know from a coverage standpoint, you know uh, we we, we uh, attempt as best we can to make receivers win. You know, the the, the game is is space and speed in in 2018, 2000, now 2019 in college football, and so trying to do. Uh, from a coverage standpoint, you know, put ourselves in a situation that we can el- eliminate, you know, certainly match from a speed standpoint, and, and by doing so, try to do the best we can to eliminate, uh, you know, issues from a, a space standpoint. So, and you can do that structurally in a number of different ways. And so we try to be multiple as best we can and put our guys in a situation that uh, when you say downhill, they, they uh, pre-snap, they have an understanding of where they need to be. We eliminate the gray, uh, you know, from, from as best we can. Again, the, the offense does a pretty good job of, uh, Adam Gray. So we don't, as coaches, it's important that we don't we don't uh, uh, you know add more to it. Um, so in any event, uh, yeah, no, no structurally it'll be uh, you know multiple both both in the front and on the back end. But it's kind of some of those uh, those elements in place, you know, aggressive in coverage, um, as mentioned, and then single gap defense in uh, in the front. I don't know that you learned anything from that except they're going to be multiple. They're going to be downhill. They're no one wants that the word. Gray. Nobody likes, yeah, you're right. You, you hear that multiple, word. that's a triggering word right there. I guess the follow-up question probably should have been, except it was moderated, so you couldn't just blurt it out, like, uh, Coach Grinch, will you in fact have players uh, standing up as the other team is getting ready to snap the ball, looking to the sideline with their arms up in the air? Will that be happening with your defense? As the ball I would, is snapped. I would like to report that they will not. You would hope not. I would think Well, they so. are eliminating the gray, so... That's their first me, order that's of business during spring. Putting 11 guys out there and eliminating the gray. And being downhill. This, this is a good hire, guys. And multiple. I think this guy might know what he's doing. Does that, like, eliminating the gray, like, are they killing Liam Neeson? Uh, yes. Yes, they are. That's, that. I mean, I'm on board if he's that much of a badass. I mean, we're, we're to the point where we have corporate buzzwords in football press conference. Instead of saying... 
we 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 don't want our players to be confused, or we want to have a we want to simplify things. It's we eliminate the gray. That's Sam Presti level. I mean, I I'm starting to buy into Alex Grinch even more now. Just because he won't talk the bullshit. No, that absolutely is bullshit. That's it's exactly just, what it is. It's just covered in corporate slander, no. chocolate Garbage. or whatever. Yeah. Did Did he mention outside the box thinking? Don't I, believe so. No. Okay. No synergy or. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, ide- a, no ideating. There was a little synergy when they were talking about keeping Ruffin around. Oh, we want to go there, huh? Just, just we we haven't talked. I mean, nobody's really talking about that. That's the hot button issue. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, look, I've I've got it queued up. Well, it Lincoln was, was act. On, it was on the rundown. It was either that or we talk about the blackface girls that uh, tried out. Uh, okay, so back to Ruffin. <laughs> <laughs> you lost your shot. Uh, so Lincoln was asked about Ruffin. And uh, it wasn't accusatory, like, why is that guy still on your staff? It was just, uh, hey, tell us about what made you decide to leave Ruffin on your staff. Yeah, I, I, the first priority was absolutely just getting the, the defensive coordinator hire. And, and once we had that and Alex and I were, sitting, were able to sit down and start piecing together a staff, I knew I had good guys on the staff. I mean, there was no, no doubt about that. Good guys, good coaches, and, and I didn't come in with some mentality of just blowing this thing up and, and just immediately scrapping everything we had and starting from scratch. Uh, but at the same time, I wanted it to fit. And uh, as we went through it, uh, rough and fit uh, within Alex's scheme as we started talking about the staff layout. Um, and then he he brings a lot to this job that's very valuable for me too. And then, again, the trust factor, uh, a guy that's been through this, you know, all the things that I've said several times about him, Certainly still there, and I think he has a great feel for the pulse of this team as well. And and it just it made sense on a lot of different levels. And I had you know Alex sat down with all those guys. I wanted I wanted to see, you know, we talked earlier about how Jalen and I would hit it off when we sat down. I wanted to see if the same things happened because you you could like Alex said you can have great coaches, but they don't always mesh together the right way. And so anybody that we did keep, I wanted to, to make sure that they did mesh and then Ruffin and Alex did mesh as well did as well as uh, as well as Calvin. And so uh, you know, it kinda made for it was kind of a good spot I thought where we had a couple of guys back that I think have done an outstanding job for us and then brought in a couple of new guys that I, I think are gonna be as you know, equally outstanding and that fit, you know, Alex's you know what Alex wants, and and understand you know his system, and they have that comfortability. So um, yeah, I think it was it just made sense on every different level. He, he, look, we've talked about this a lot. Last podcast, I kind of laid it out. Here's my question for you: Would Lincoln Riley feel comfortable or be able to do his job being the offensive coordinator and head coach if he didn't have a guy like Ruffin there that he trusted? I've always kind of thought that Ruffin was more so, more than anything, kind of a security blanket in making Lincoln Riley feel extremely comfortable with what he's doing, if that makes sense. I, I, yeah. I think that there's definitely a, there's something to it. He's not just keeping the guy around to keep the guy around. I, but like, I almost I, wish Lincoln would just it, come out and say, look, if you want me to be the offensive coordinator, I need Ruffin here. End of story. That would shut everybody up. I just think he likes having him in the locker room. He like he thinks he's an asset to the program. Yeah. And 
people just can't understand that, I guess, because I guess everybody else is at practice and sees what's going on every day. Well, and I mean, let's face it, Ruffin does not come off as like Alex Grinch is sitting there throwing his corporate buzzwords around. I mean, they're not corporate buzzwords, but they might as well be with defense. Ruffin, he'll come in and talk about, I don't know. I mean, who knows what he's talking about? It's it's meandering, rambling, folksy stuff that nobody really understands. It's not football stuff. It's it's life stuff. And, yeah. th- and that's where Lincoln needs him. I think he likes having that father figure mm-hmm. around. And I, I I, guess the other side of that argument is, is well, why couldn't he do that from an analyst role? I, My take on it... Obviously feels I, like it's it not the same. Why does it matter? Well, Lincoln obviously feels like it's not the same. Because I, think, I think they have so many people running around there in the faculty uh, that the players just know are people and they don't directly deal with them every day. Yeah. That, that is probably just white noise to them. I mean, they've got people coming in there like, hey, we need to shoot this video, or hey, we've got to do this for the pregame video, or uh, hey, we need to do something for Sooner Club, or whatever. I mean, it's like, you know, there's so much crap going on. The only people that are really their guys are the guys coaching them on the field. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That's just those my, are the, those my are, read. That's the, that's, they're kind of their, their family, their, you think that, their little group. You really think that Merv Johnson's going to be able to come in there and and impart wisdom and get them to stop being pissed off at their position coach for a day. Oh, I, I mean, I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but I I would be surprised if more than five people on that team knew who Merv Johnson is. Yeah. Seriously, like the, in those, I would be surprised well, if there was more than ten. Maybe guys. some of the walk-ons, maybe the majority of walk-ons know who he is because yeah, he helped they, process them. Sure, sure. The the varsity guys or the the scholarship the scholarship guys. guys I bet very very few of them know. And well, not know, but have a personal relationship. Right. How about that, that might be a better way to put it. That might be a better way. And then I still think when it comes to a rough and you want that comfort factor with Riley, but then the recruiting part, you need him on staff so he can do those in-home visits, those on-campus visits. He needs to be in touch with those families because that's where he's he at. He works well with that's the families. when he's at his best. Yeah. That's his best moment is when it comes to those kids and their families visiting campus. And Ruffin being the folksy guy, it shines through. Like, Nick Saban has to fake that stuff. But he does. Most coaches have to fake that stuff. Ruffin's not faking it. That's just who he is. He's not – he's – people want him to be Saban, but he's not. I mean, they want him to be Brent Venables. He's not. He's not going to be that guy. He was a Band-Aid for that defense last year. It wasn't like he was auditioning to be the defensive coordinator. He was never going to be the defensive coordinator. I thought he was just trying to keep players from transferring. Just yeah. trying to get them mentally right and so guess that what? they'll he be did fired a good job up. Look at, look at if Curtis Bolton had another... Big 12, they still, I mean, they still won the damn thing. I mean, Curtis Bolton, if you put another hard ass in there, he'd probably check out last season. Yeah. I mean, and Bolton even said that in his farewell tweet. Like, I think he called Ruffin sheepdog or something. He's like, I wish I would have had you the entire time I was here. Ruffin's doing that part of the job right. Don't expect him to do the X's and O's. That's not what he's doing now. Uh, all right. Uh, I want to remind you guys, uh, this is the uh, Choctaw Casinos, uh, resort, Casinos and Resort in Durant, unofficial 40. Uh, if you guys are, I know a lot of listeners that we have are in uh, the Dallas area. Uh, it is a simple drive up to uh, Durant 
to uh, have a great weekend. You can. Uh, you don't have to have the usual night out. Uh, go uh, book a stay at Choctaw Casino and Resort, uh, and you'll have a, a great weekend. Just lots of slots, table games, poker room, uh, delicious dining offerings, uh, top entertainment acts, uh, even a relaxing spa. But uh, even the restaurants, I mean, I've been up there a couple of weekends, and uh, just the dining itself is uh, fantastic. The, uh, the steakhouse, the 1832 Steakhouse, uh, you've got the, uh, the Gillies uh, Bar, uh, you, you've got a lot La Cantina for uh, Mexican food, and they've also got the district. If you want to go out and uh, uh, do some bowling or check out the sports bar, just go see a movie uh, while you're out there all weekend. It's it's a fantastic play to stay, fantastic place to stay. Uh, and I'm telling you, I've been to most of the big casinos in Oklahoma, and uh, it is as good as anything that you're going to find. So uh, thanks to the Choctaw Casinos and Resort in Durant uh, for being the title sponsor of the Unofficial Forty. All right, one one of the things that was addressed by Lincoln officially was Jalen Hurts and also the transfer of Austin Kendall uh, from the program. And there was a lot of controversy around that just because uh, of the uh, the blocking that was said to be going on of, of Austin Kendall from uh, eligibility. And uh, Lincoln Riley kind of talked about the reasons why he finally relented on that and allowed Austin Kendall to become immediately eligible at West Virginia this next season. You know, I think he can certainly has the ability to be a really good leader for us. Um, but, you know, he, he's got to get in here. And and that was completely labeled as the wrong clip. That's Jalen Hurts. He was talking about Jalen Hurts there. Uh, here is... Breaking uh, news, Austin Kittle's coming back to Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Reported here first. Uh, no, that is not breaking news. Uh, here is hopefully the right clip. Uh, we, like I said, we had good, open, honest conversation. There was a point in time where I was not... I was not ready to grant him that. Uh, I was kind of, I think, pretty honest throughout the entire the entire time that I haven't made a final decision yet. I'm trying to get to that place because personally, the human element, I want to do it for you. I love the kid. Austin Kendall was great here. I loved every minute that he was here. His family was great. He was a very positive member of this team. And I, I didn't want him to go. Um, but then I also wanted to make sure I'm making the best decision for Oklahoma, too. And for all of our staff, all of our players, for all the players that will play for us in the coming years, because like I said, these decisions, you know, they, they carry weight. And it's, you can't just always make it for one individual guy. So we worked through it. Um, and there was different points where they needed to know where I stood relative to their decisions. And I was honest. And then we got to a point as it went on where I felt like I, I still have some Enter back and forth about it, to be completely honest. But I got to a point where the human element uh, of it was strong enough that we felt like it was the right thing to do in this situation. It, it was a lot of back and forth with Lincoln Riley. I mean, he basically said over and over again, I didn't want to do it, but I felt like I had to do it, although I still don't know if that was the right decision. The, the decision carries weight was the only line I thought made sense because he realized, wait a minute, if I don't do this, this could hurt me going in down. the future. Yeah. Yes, exactly. If you have another kid uh, and you're recruiting him and he's a big time quarterback and he wants like you can't open that Pandora's box. If you're a, a, I was surprised that Lincoln. I mean, look at the outcry that happened the two hours after the report went out. I mean, I, there, I think there was a lot of public perception, too, that. Well, when you're bringing in, decision. he's leaving because you're bringing in a graduate transfer from a school well, that you just played that, in your final game. And your last two Heisman winners were transfers. Yeah. Different situation, I know, I understand. 
I was well aware of that <laughs> when uh, you make the comment that it's a bad look. I, I, I realized Baker Mayfield wasn't on scholarship. I don't think it matters. All the kid did was graduate in three years and basically put his career on hold to try and stay around. And, I mean, it is what it is. He's not good enough to play here. Yeah, and 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 they made a decision. And I don't even know if he's not good enough to play here. I he he's not good enough to lead them to where they want to go. It's a yes, better way of putting that's, it. That's probably they a, a made, much better way to put they it. They made that determination. They said Jalen Hurts is available. He wants to come here. We can get further with him as our quarterback than we can as Austin. King. Sure, and it it's just it's one of the most unlucky situations somebody's ever been in. The sit behind two Heisman Trophy winners like Austin Kendall did. And I, I don't believe, I'd still believe there's some bad blood yeah, in Kendall and, yeah. in, in Riley, but I think now that everything's working out, you you backtrack in your mind like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. Oh, it was great. He was great. Because you don't want to leave on bad terms. There's no reason to do it like that. They broke up. I mean, exactly. that was a breakup. Right. They and stopped it, following it, each other on Twitter. I mean... They broke up. That was a. It was. I don't even know if it was a marriage, but it was. It was a chick and a dude that had would been no, a long term relationship. It was 2019. <laughs> it was definitely two dudes. Uh, so it was we two dudes that, that probably that. they probably had a mortgage together, and you know they they had Thank because they it's Oklahoma a child. They couldn't have a legal ceremony. Yeah, they nobody didn't, would make them a cake. There were either. no children, you know, to be divvied up. I think you do it that the, way. Did they have joint bank accounts, or was it still separate? I think it's probably separate. Joint, yeah. Oh. No, no, no separate. Joint? Separate. No separate. separate. Yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they were that. They would have been joint one, if he would have became the star. One bank account has a lot of money. The other one doesn't because he's a student <laughs> athlete. And doesn't get anything. Because I thought he went over the top. Remember you saying like me and Austin were laughing because people didn't know. Like yeah, it went too he was, far. He was upset probably people like us that made it out to be drama. Well, there was a reason. We called it pettiness and people got mad at us. I mean, but that's oh, yeah. fine. Watch out what we say. We we're might not get here. any access the next oh, couple God. of weeks. We're here for to the be pettiness. Fair, that was really one guy that went a little bananas. Yeah, that's true. That just, but he that's... did go off the, off the reservation crazy. See, here's the thing that people don't realize is once you start telling us how to do our jobs that we know how it should be done and you don't, like, we don't ever have to listen to you about anything again. Because we know that you're full of shit. Like, no matter what you say, you can sit there and say, oh, I know what OU football needs to do to fix things. No, you don't. Because you're full of shit. You've proved it to us. Well, I... I would say that you've proved it to anybody if you send in a complaint via Facebook, but that maybe that's just me. No, this was on the board. He's talking about... Uh, yeah, you remember that from... That was a big old last long thread. Week. No. Yeah. Eddie was... You might have been in Scottsdale. No. No, no I was no. around. I probably bounce. just didn't read it. Sooner well, bounce. Well, you're like, like oh, I Oh, yeah, am. that guy. Yes. When it gets to like seven pages, I do check out. But it just... Some people, it... it I'm just glad people like that can log on to the internet every day. But, li- we'll but leave just it at don't that. tell us about how to do our jobs and that we're going to... Like, that comes up, like, at least once a year. Like, you guys are going to lose your access. No, we're not. The The problem with the Face argument he was making, access. and sorry to go off on this for people that aren't on the board, it's not like you guys have some separate level of access from every other media outlet. Like, everybody, like, yeah, well, everybody has the same access. The pod. So this week they don't get access. You guys are at the same thing everybody else is at. Like 
it, it's got nothing to do with that. That's a fact. Sooner Scoop has the top seat in the press box. We will remain among online entities. We will remain the top seat in the press box among. If we were so horrible, Is there like an orchestra concert, we're the first chair. We are the first <laughs> chair. <laughs> yeah. What instrument are we? I don't know. What's the most badass instrument? Probably the cello. Really? I don't know. Really? Not like the violin? Yeah, I mean, it might be. Aren't those the I most no Are we talking band or orchestra here? Orchestra. Oh, yeah. I guess they do have that for band, don't they? Uh-huh. I yeah. never think of a band as a first chair. I always think of, of, of it as like a marching band. I mean, do we have to say bass just in homage to Jared? I mean, is he going to get pissy if we don't? Oh, he knows about orchestras. Okay. I mean, I'm just, you know. Cello we, is a, a cello is a bass, I think. See, once again, we're getting into territories we don't know. That we have no idea what we're talking about. But let's tell band people how to run their damn show, yes. Gary. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Eddie's making fun of bald people. I'm getting in trouble for that. I didn't say anything about bald people. I didn't say anything about we'll bald people. We'll have to review the tape. This is Josh. This is his fault. He Josh could not even put it out there. Josh could not no even at anyone's feet. You could not even wait for the pod to get over <laughs> before you went to social media and tattled like a little bitch. <laughs> I said we had bald shaming. I made no no hint at who might have said something. I just I thought Jason Curzon needed to know. And you yeah, so you tagged him too. He might be wounded and he could skip that part. So he just didn't have to partake in that and and the pain that it, and suffering that it causes him. I'm looking out for Kersey. You told him last week that if Noble would disown him, you might rank some of their players. <laughs> so I don't know how you're trying to come off as the good guy here. Uh, yeah, it's a tough year for the Bears. Did, didn't see a lot on the Noble uh, huddle. Reel. We, we should we get to your rankings now, or well, I've got. I've got some more hurt. We've got to get to Hurts. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's way. That's and kind of what his role is because I mean the Austin Kittle thing. We put that to bed. Now Jalen Hurts. I think one of the biggest questions uh, that was answered is Lincoln Riley was kind of asked, you know, what because we weren't we didn't have Jalen Hurts to talk to. Like what attracted him to you guys? No one opportunity. You know, guys guys want a chance to come compete. Um, Development. I mean, you know, he's been able to look and see the, you know, development of our quarterbacks here over a, a pretty long period of time, and I think that was positive. Uh, I think a lot of guys are wanting to find some type of way to, to get in, you know, into this offense some way somehow. You know, it's uh, obviously it's you know doing some good things at this level and beyond, and I think there's some some clear advantages there, especially at that position. Um, and I, I think for him, it, it gives him a chance to win. You know, he's been at one of the other winningest programs in the country here over the last couple of years, and has had a chance to compete for for championships and be in those big games. And I think he, you know, I think he sees that opportunity here. And so, uh, you know, I think those things were all pretty apparent. And I think the the meetings were just more of a compatibility type meeting. You know, of getting a feel. Is it going to work with this staff? Is am I going to be good being coached by this guy? Is you know is you know how do we hit it off? How do we click? And uh, we both agreed going into it that if anything didn't feel right on either side, that that we weren't going to do it because him coming here and it not being successful is not good for us. It's not good for him. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, certainly just being a fan of the kid from afar the last few years. Uh, 
you know, you you just as a fan of the game and and not many players that handles handles situations like he had like he had at Alabama. Not many people handle it like he did. And uh, so you just you just kind of want you want to see the kid get in a place where he can get a great opportunity and thrive and become the quarterback that we all think he can be. And so uh, yeah, when he got here, it just seemed to fit, seemed natural, easy, and um, had some good conversations. And I know he's excited, ready to go. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing about what Lincoln said there was, uh, you know, he, if it didn't work for him or it didn't work for them, they shouldn't do it. I just have to think deep down, like, what a feather in Lincoln Riley's cap if he turns Jalen Hurts into not a great quarterback, but just a quarterback that was a lot better than he was at Alabama. Like, he becomes the official quarterback whisperer if that happens to where. Alabama may have the process, and they may have the national championships and all that stuff, but Lincoln Riley basically, and I don't know, maybe this builds on his NFL resume, so it might not be great for Oklahoma, but there's no doubt, no one can question that Lincoln Riley would be the premier developer of quarterbacks in college football. Yeah, it would be like saying, hey, who's the most different from Kyler Murray as a quarterback in terms of size, skill set, and things of that nature? And saying, all right, make Lincoln Riley have Jalen Hurts become a great quarterback. That's his next challenge. And it's like, all right, let's go ahead and do it. I think Jalen Hurts is a better passer than people give him credit for. And I think he can really flourish in this type of offense. So I don't think it's as big of a gamble as some. But I can see on the outside people thinking there's no way he can make this guy like a 70% passer that is so efficient like he's had the last four seasons. Well, I don't think there's any coincidence that after last week's pod when I said that Lincoln Riley should go after a one-legged quarterback next, that video surfaced of a That's kid crazy. with the, uh, who is the murderer, uh, the uh, the Olympian? Oscar Pistorius. Yeah, he was like, he was wearing the Pistorius legs, playing quarterback. Also to our Cat Williams fan known as Tink Tink. Thanks a lot, Josh. Tink, tink. I got you. It's pretty good. That's, pretty that's good. one of my all-time favorite bits that Cat Williams did. One of my so favorite funny. bits is what Oscar Pistorius did. Oh my god! He didn't, he didn't get away with it, did he? No, he went to prison. Yeah. You think? I think he's out though now. I'm pretty sure he's out. Australia. Yeah, kind of. They they're you easy th- on I think the he murder. Has a, I think he has a new girlfriend. You think they're using the open door policy in the restroom? Have to after something like that. Like I you think, think she, maybe. you think she ever like wets the bed because she's so scared <laughs> to get up at night to go to the restroom. It's like I, I, I need to use the restroom, but if this son of a bitch wakes up, he might shoot me. Take the gun with you. That's true too. I guess you could do that, or put just turn a light on. Maybe would be the best thing to do. Just put up a sign that's not a target. Oscar. Just leave a like a post-it note on his forehead. Reva Steinkamp, yeah, she was uh, she was a looker. The new one can't be that hot. I'm trying to find it. I could be wrong. He could still be in prison. I hope he is. Well, I mean, that was only like two years ago. Wasn't oh, it? yeah, I think he's still in prison. Yeah, South African court doubles Oscar Pistorius prison sentence. Oh, South Africa, not Australia. This was in 2017, so 
Well, and, and he killed a woman, so he probably does have some relations in prison, but I don't think he's liking them. 13 years and five months is what he got, so he'll be in Good. for a while. That seems light for murder. Well, maybe by the time that kid uh, graduates high school, Oscar will be out of uh, prison. He can come you to America him. to watch him play to OU. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool video. It was. It was awesome. And, like, perfectly timed that it happened right after we'd had the whole conversation about Lincoln Riley's next challenge, he will accept. I think, yeah, I think you probably have to go ahead and cut off your other leg, though, because the springiness of one leg would be much more than the other. Just yeah. make him go left all if the time. If you really wanted to commit to being a quarterback, <laughs> I think you'd probably have to chop off your other leg. I don't know. Maybe. But, I mean, does it give him an unfair advantage? Like, if he plants off that thing and springs, like, does that actually drive I'm, the ball deeper? That's what I'm wondering. He's going to be declared ineligible. If, if it uh, – It depends on how good he is. Yeah. Well, if and if, if he is good and you can throw better with – more extra spring in your back leg. Don't you're do gonna, it. You're going to start seeing kids do it more often. It's like Tommy just, John surgery. They'll just cut off legs. Just cut off it's legs. Not kids. Yeah. Amputation. Be the crazy dads. Yeah, the crazy dads will be, well, my kid's not ranked in Josh's new state top 40. Sorry. <laughs> cut your legs off. We're going this route. Kids like, hell yeah. We're not, right, get, right. we're not getting a scholarship the way it's going. All right. I have to bear the responsibility for amputation statewide. Great. We've already we've already paid five recruiting services. This is the last option. (laughs) Amputation. (laughs) We need to make like a flow chart of (laughs) when you know amputation is necessary. (laughs) Like first start out is rivals camp series. If you don't win quarterback MVP there, then you know you go down to NUC or whatever is the next. You level. have all these like football reasons, and eighth is diabetes. <laughs> God, I, I would Carrie, You mentioned NUC. It made me think the other day. I used to drive down to Dallas to see NUC camps. Do they still have them? Yes. Those are still yeah. around. Yeah. Well, the problem is you had NUC and you had the opening, or what was just Nike. In, Nike what was it? Time, yeah. What was it? NFC T or whatever. They were. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nike, yeah. Nike yep. football mm-hmm. training. Now, NUC NFC is the one that parents pay for, right? You pay to get your kid in. Yeah. Yeah, it's, NUC. Like, it's, yeah, not, it's like 30 bucks. Yeah. Like, it's not that big. Yeah, it's not bad. But now you have Nike, Adidas, Under Armour on top of NUC, mm-hmm. and pretty much you do need to have amputation if you don't get invited to any of the three. Well, yeah. Um. All right, so uh, you get invited to Adidas? No. Nike? No. Oh, my. Like, he's sitting there waiting for Under Armour. Like, his dad is just, sitting there just tapping his foot up and down, son. I'm going to make the appointment if dad we don't get this Under on, Armour. Like, surgical gloves. All right, Doc, I'll help you. Go ahead, Johnny. Answer him. Well, Josh, as, you remember. As his son's opening the mail, he's circling doctor's names in the phone book. Josh, do you remember, like, football university, too? Oh, that yeah, still exists. Oh, FBU? Yeah. That's yeah. what's well, aligned with the All-American game. Exactly. Is it? They still exist, and they are what, I, mean, I hate to say it, they've destroyed the Army Combine. It used to be a really great... Oh, yeah. You'd see a lot of great players, and now all the elite dudes go to Orlando because they know they can actually get reps on there. You go to Army, I mean, people are like will kind of ask me, why don't you guys go cover that? There are usually about 600 damn kids... And, like, Ethan Downs, the kid from Weatherford in the 2021 class that's got a chance to be a guy, 
He was there, was great at the combine. Everybody loved him. He got like six reps. Like, I'm not driving all the way to San Antonio to see that kid do six reps at defensive end. Yeah. I want to watch him really go. And it's it's just a mass of humanity as to where in Orlando, they've got 50 of the best players in the country. That's worth my time. I can go see Darian Green Warren. And if the schedule would have worked out a little bit better this year, that's what I would have done. But I had to be in San Antonio for Jaden Hazelwood. So I kind of had to do Orlando early in the week and San Antonio later in the week. But all things being equal, I'd rather be in Orlando late in the week, catch that game, and see the future 50. And you know what? I'm not so sure that that didn't lead to rivals giving that up for 24-7, too, because it got worthless. Like like you said, there used to be a time we'd go for the, the underclass combine, and it was great. I mean, it was huge names. Uh, you could interview the kids. You know, they would talk to you. It was You could see them, like you said, get a bunch of reps. As soon as that FBU thing took off, it was like a bunch of little shrimp kids in there. And not only do they pay to get in the combine, but then they get the they get to get the players' autographs after the game. Like, what kind uh, of what kind of recruit cares about getting the autographs of the players that are playing in the All American of game? guys like two old two years older than two, them? Yes, <laughs> I, I they should invite college coaches to the uh, to the event. And then they can watch which ones are going out to get autographs afterwards. And check them off the list. You're immediately checked off of the list. <laughs> After the game, and, you know, Jade did announce, Maybe. Uh, I guess, about mid-fourth quarter. I literally, like, the clock was expiring, and I'm walking up behind him, and I grab the back of his jersey. I'm like, Jaden, hey, like, do the hand line. That's fine. Like, whatever. As soon as that's over, I'm going to be right where you're standing, and we're going to do an interview. And he's like, cool. So, like, you, you can't, I mean, Eddie knows the Joe Mixon thing will live in infamy forever. Yeah. It's me on one damn knee <laughs> interviewing Joe Mixon as he's signing autographs for like 40 kids. And it's a horrible interview. Joe didn't want to do it. He was doing all these autographs. Like, it, it was just, you're like, this is not why anybody's here. Like, nobody cares about this. And then they like, and then they also have the, the damn San Antonio, like, high school all-star game after the army game. So like all the kids get shuffled off and everybody gets off the field and then they play another damn high school game within like an hour after the end of the army game. So it's, it's just nuts. Actually, Eddie, a uh, better idea for you. The kids that go and get autographs that are two years younger. Those are the amputees <laughs> right there. Uh, okay. I want to remind you guys, Coop works, a great sponsor of the uh, podcast. Go to coopaleworks.com. Go check out their offerings. The F five IPA. I know, uh, Jason Kersey, Actually texted me the other day that he was at a Thunder game and he got a, a F5 IPA, and so I appreciate that. And then he got another one, and did I didn't it hear from him because he was bald. I didn't know. Okay, see, you did that. That was you. <laughs> but seven year round offerings. Uh, it is uh, the uh, the premier local brewery uh, in Oklahoma City. I, you guys know I'm a huge fan of the Horny Toad Blonde, the DNR, a great beer as well, the Saturday Siren. Uh, just just a lot of great beers. Go check them out at your local liquor stores. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Everything They have all kinds of offerings uh, for what you like in your beer, uh, whether you're an IPA guy, uh, you're a Pilsner guy. Uh, the uh, the uh, 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 porter that's out now is fantastic, the Grand Sport Porter. Uh, they're seasonal offerings. So uh, four of those a year. Uh, you had, they had Oktoberfest before this. So coopaleworks.com. Also, if you're in Dallas, uh, Arkansas, uh, go check out their website. You can find out where you can get Coupel Works near to you. All right, so Josh, you uh, are going through your day of hell 
because you put up Oklahoma's uh, top 40 list. I went over and looked at mentions before the start of the podcast. It was not pretty. Uh, but uh, Josh and Bob, maybe you guys want to just talk about your, you know, the release of the list today and uh, kind of, Josh, maybe some of the highlights there for you, guys that might have surprised you in this process and moved up further than you thought maybe than a month ago? Well, you know, I, I'll go into that in a second. I think really the, the conversation everybody wants to have is the top two, and I, I've got it in reverse order from rivals. Uh, I've got Andrew Rame. Uh, Oklahoma's only, uh, excuse me, one of Oklahoma's only two offers in the state right now in 2020, uh, the offensive lineman from Broken Arrow, a, a guy that Oklahoma offered as a freshman, uh, almost the same timeline that they offered Bray Walker to kind of tell you where you saw him at that point. He's a very interesting guy because when he was offered, everybody kind of thought he was going to grow into a tackle. I think more and more we're all accepting that he's probably going to be a guard and that hurts his value a little bit, but I mean, there's no question. He is an elite offensive lineman. He is a key piece of Oklahoma's recruiting effort. They really need to land him. Uh, number two is JV and Hester, Oklahoma's other offer in state, a uh, wide receiver from Booker T. This was really close. I mean, one of the closer ones I've had. It was so different from last year when Dax Hill was just so clearly wire to wire number one. There was no conversation. He was the guy. These two may flip a couple of times. We'll see them both in the spring. We'll know more. Uh, you know, I just, with Raim, it hurts him a little bit being at guard. With Hester, I just value offensive line a little more than I do receiver, just because those guys are harder to find. They just are. And so I think that's kind of why I lean in that direction. But, you know, I know for OU fans, they'll want to, you know, kind of guys maybe they should keep an eye on. I think Brendan Walker from Bishop McGinnis is definitely a guy to keep an eye on, kind of an outside linebacker, Jack type guy. Um, we're still learning what Alex Grinch is going to do, what he's looking for. So that, that's going to be a little tricky, but he's definitely a guy, um, to keep an eye on, uh, Sevion Morrison, the number four guy in the state from Tulsa Edison. Uh, he'll be on campus this weekend. I think he's a really interesting guy, a guy that, that I, you know, really, if you wanted to say one guy that really surprised me with how good he was, and he picked up his first offer yesterday, that's plain views, Blake Noel, um, 6'4", 185, um, picked up an Iowa State offer, like I said yesterday, and really was almost unknown when I saw him last year, and I kind of heard some buzz. His teammate is committed to uh, Oklahoma State, uh, Eli Russ, a big offensive lineman. So Plainview actually has two guys in my top ten. I can say that has literally never happened before. So there, it's, it's really an interesting class because, I mean, you've got your BAs and your Booker T's, and I've got a couple Jinx guys in there kind of lower on the list. But there are a lot of guys from unfamiliar places. I mean, you know, like I said, Tulsa Edison, a um, couple of Bishop McGinnis guys in the top 10. Um, Moore has a guy in the top 10. I mean, that's probably been 20 years since you could say that at Moore. So there, there's a lot of interesting names. And, you know, Bob, Bob really was – I had a conversation with him about the top two, but I, I'd love to hear some of his feedback because he's seen some of these guys in person more than I have. Yeah, I think when you look at Rame. It- it it probably did hurt a, a bit that he hasn't grown and he's going to be a guard, but he's been so dominant. And when you watch him in person and you see him, how much he dominates and how much he was a crucial part to them winning the, the uh, state championship. I just felt like he's done enough to still be the number one guy. And I actually don't know 
how much more Hester can do to try to overtake Reim if Reim continues to perform at this type of level. I think the surprise name, Morrison by far, a guy that I didn't even think would ever be a factor heading into his junior season. But when he puts up nearly 3,000 yards of total offense and you look at his size and his frame and his speed, you believe that can be a guy. And that was sort of where I was going to go to next, Josh. We know that Raymond Hester are clear OU targets. They have the offers. Who among in the rest of that top 10 do you think the Sooners will start reaching out and maybe making that offer? There are several guys that I can kind of point to. I mean, I think Noel's interesting. Like I said, I think he could grow into kind of a Calcaterra type. Uh, very big guy, really runs well, kind of kind of runs like a Mark Andrews, really a legit probably 4'6 kind of guy at 6'4", 180. That's, that's not something you forget about. I mentioned Brendan Walker. I had always kind of seen him as an H-back type, but his film and the reason he's number three is because now I can see him as a, like I said, a jack, an outside pass rusher. Uh, we talked about Sevion Morrison. Uh, he'll be in Norman this weekend for junior day. I, I think he's a little bit down the list, but it's not because he's not really talented. It's just because, like we talked about in Scoop last week, 2020 at running back may be the best running back class I've ever seen. Like nationally, uh, in Texas, in Oklahoma. I mean, you just go down the list, and there are guys everywhere that and are unbelievable. OU's in on them. It's not just yes, like, yeah, yeah, right. You're right. You're right. Um, another guy that's interesting to me uh, is Deuce Mayberry from Owasso. You know, I, I like kinda, that kid a lot. You, you talked about, um, or, you know, and I know um, we've all had kind of had some conversations. I think Roy Manning even talked about a little bit, kind of having a preference for kind of a longer corner, some guys that are, you know, just a little bigger maybe than what, um, and, and I, may be, I, I may be putting that on him and he didn't say it. It may just be something I've heard. But I, I think there is a pretty clear preference for some bigger, longer guys than the, the kind of Justin Broyles, Trey Brown, Trey Norwood that are a little – a little more about being twitchy and quick, but maybe aren't as big and physical. Mayberry is 6'1", 170, and that's legitimate. That's from a rival's camp measurement that we got of him last spring. And I like him a lot on tape. It's kind of mixed when you talk to people in Tulsa. Some people talk about his ability. Some people kind of tell me maybe he's not always as locked in as he needs to be. So that, that could be the reason that he doesn't have a lot of early attention. But, I mean, I, I've got him as the number five guy in the state. I, I think he is a really, really interesting prospect. You know, you go down the list, and, I mean, there's some of these guys that I don't know well enough yet. Like, I, I want to see more. Um, a good example is Krishan Brown, the outside linebacker from Booker T, that's about 6'2", 205, super athletic, um, all over the field. Um, could he be a guy that fits in somewhere for Oklahoma? Sure. And it's a matter of I don't know him well enough yet to really say, okay, this is where I see him fitting. And also, I don't know what Oklahoma wants to do exactly yet on defense. So I've got to kind of mesh those things together. And then you can start getting a clearer picture of, okay, this guy fits, this guy doesn't fit. But, I mean, there are some pieces in this class that are interesting. It's just going to be a matter of what Oklahoma chooses to do. Uh, okay, Josh, you're going to have to run here in a bit. Uh, I know you have uh, an interview set up with OU's newest uh, commitment, David Aguebu, who uh, has pushed Oklahoma to number three in the rivals team rankings. Uh, right now, but uh, that puts Oklahoma at 24. Uh, you know, and it's weird to say because we're only two weeks away, 
pretty is it literally are we two weeks away literally from or is it three from the uh national signing day it's two weeks today two weeks today yep uh and you know i know everybody's like well you know that should be a big deal it's really not because oh you already had 23 signed going into this thing but uh let's talk about that real quick you're gonna go talk to to david today uh, what else is out there? I know you know Oklahoma's had some visits. There's Josh or uh, Bob, I believe. There's one set of eyeballs one unaccounted eyes. for. Yes, there's one one set of eyes. So, uh, what do you guys expect here down the stretch in the next two weeks? You know, for me, I and and maybe Bob has heard something different. I you know I, I I've kind of been so wrapped up in the rankings for the last week. There may be a conversation I've missed between he and I, but I. I see two guys that are real viable for Oklahoma right now in 20, uh, 2019. And then everything else I hear is 2020. Like Lincoln Riley today is in Kentucky, went to see a 2020 prospect, Vito Tisdale, uh, that's good buddies with Woody Washington. So, I mean, they're, I'm just not hearing a lot of, okay, well, you know, Oklahoma's kicking around that guy. You know, maybe he'll come in for a visit on the last weekend and we'll kind of see if Oklahoma has room or wants to take him or whatever. I think it's Enoch Vamahi, the offensive lineman from uh, Hawaii, and I think it's Daniel Sanike, the offensive lineman from Kansas City Rockers. I think if those two jump on board, I think Oklahoma's done. And I think EK is about as close to a sure thing as I could offer right now. Vamahi's more up in the air. I think he's visiting Ohio State this weekend. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, and it, that's that to me. That's that's really the only thing standing in Oklahoma's way from everything I hear. Oklahoma's out in front. I think he gave both Stacey Wilkins and EJ Doma Ogar a pretty good vibe all week in Hawaii at the uh, Poly Bowl. So I think there's a lot of reason to believe there. But it's Ohio State. I mean, you don't want to write them off and say that couldn't happen. It absolutely could. But I think Oklahoma right now leads for both. And I feel really good about EK. And we'll kind of see where things are this time next week for Vamahi. And the interesting thing is, you know, the the final rival rankings are out. And I know there was a you know a little bit of hand wringing over that by some people, but uh, Sooners didn't lose any five stars. Uh, they did have some guys drop, but overall, I mean, this is still the number three class in the country uh, going into the final two weeks. Uh, and, and I don't know, you know, most of the other teams around them have high numbers. I, I mean, I think I counted it up a couple weeks ago. There were sixteen players in the rivals top two hundred and fifty that were undecided. I mean, some had committed, but like 16 out of 200 in that 250 has changed now since I looked at it. But I mean, this is a pretty this is a pretty good indication that we're kind of where we're going to be on National Signing Day. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not guaranteeing that OU's going to finish number three. Right, they'll finish probably like three to five somewhere in in that that range. And, and yeah, I mean, when you do the work going into early signing period, then you kind of sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the show and. You can do that because then you start moving on Junior Day. You know OU's so confident when they're already having Junior Day before the actual signing day. They're like, all right, let's move on to 2020 because 2019, well, that is in the books. And, Bob, you and I kind of talked about this you know, before the podcast started. OU, I'm sure, and I haven't heard this for certain. I probably should ask Lincoln about this, but you have to think they want to try and do something with Baker's Heisman statue for the spring game to kind of simulate what they did with Bob last year uh, and bring in a lot of recruits. It worked well for them. But they kind of need to get some bell cows in here for this recruiting class in the next couple of months. Yeah, you know, they just don't have that vocal guy. I mean, you had Spencer Rattler and Trajan Bridges at this time last year that you knew were going nowhere. 
I mean, you'd like Jace McClellan, but he was at Texas this last weekend. Now, he's supposed to come back to uh, Norman for Junior Day, but you need those guys that are going to be around and the spring all game, the time. The spring game was when Weiss and, and yeah. R.J. Henderson recommitted. Exactly. So that made that a bigger weekend. But you just you need that, that vocal presence, and I, it's, I don't see anyone out there just yet, Josh, that brings that same kind of presence that you saw from Trajan and Spencer and even Austin Stogner. I think if Austin Stogner was committed for the 2020 class, I would call him the number one kind of recruit in terms of trying to get other guys to follow his lead. I think Jalen Huff and Darian Green Warren are made of that kind of stuff. But they're but so the far away. Is, they're so far away. They can't be in Norman every weekend and making sure guys feel good and there's a bond. Like they, they just can't do that. So that makes it a little tougher on them. And I, so I agree with you, Bob. Like I don't think there is a a linchpin to kind of make it work. And they need that guy. They need it whether it's a quarterback or just a big time recruit that's going to make people kind of buy into what they're doing. Um, and if that, I, if that doesn't happen, I mean, then I guess you use your spring game as kind of the springboard, and then you use your barbecue kind of as the what maybe what the spring game was a year ago. Well, and, and I was interested, I know Bob and I have talked about this before, whether Oklahoma felt that that spring game went, you know, and obviously it got a lot of commitments and, you know, there were some things that happened, but also you always wondered if, okay, maybe we should have kept Chris Steele, kept that official visit in our pocket until December or kept it in our pocket until you know, the Bedlam game, you know, whatever it was, you know, just maybe we could have held on to that longer. It looks like they're, they like that spring game plan because they've already set up their first official visit, Michael Wyman, a, a big time off, uh, excuse me, a big time receiver. So Oklahoma's clearly going to move back, you know, it's going to stick with that spring game being a big official visit weekend. It'll be interesting to see how many schools follow that because Oklahoma kind of, <coughs> excuse me, was the first one through the breach on that. So, We'll see how that goes now. Other schools react. What I did want to say is, you know, for people that think, oh, you know, Oklahoma's third, they might fall to fifth. That'll be the first time Oklahoma's finished in the top five in the rivals rankings since 2005. Adrian and, Peterson and Rhett Bomar, right? That, no, that was 04. That was a year before, yeah. So that was R.J. Washington, Jeremy no, no, no. Calhoun. <laughs> no, this no. Will blow your mind. No. Five, five <laughs> oh, no, you got to let me figure this out. <laughs> Wait a minute. Since I was actually doing recruiting back in those days. Um, good lord! So it was. Post- well, I'll give you. I'll give you one hint. Two thousand five graduate. He wasn't in the recruiting class, but he was in the freshman class at OU. Eddie Radosovich. <laughs> wow. Actually, I was. Uh, a, did they five do it of by the top six? I graduated guys high school. Well, oh five would have been no. It so I guess been, it's technically two thousand six. It wouldn't have been Keith me. Nickel that year, would it? No, that was the next year. No. I think Nickel was oh seven, wasn't he? You would have been in 06. Sam was 06. He was a year so behind So he was 07. Sam. Okay. Yeah. Screw it. Uh, my brain's not working. Five, again, five of the top six guys in this class rated six point or higher on defense. How much have times changed? <laughs> that It's just crazy. Do you want me to give you one name, Carrie, and see if it'll get you going? It wasn't Rufus, was it? No. No. Rufus was 02. Good God. <laughs> My year. Well, hey, Rufus was in the same draft class as is NFL draft as Adrian Peterson. That's why it's got me all screwed up. I could believe that. Just yeah. say I don't care anymore. It's okay. It's oh five. They finished number three that year. Uh, the top five guy, top six guys were Reggie Smith, Demarcus Granger, Ryan Reynolds, wow. uh, Curtis Lofton, 
Malcolm Kelly, and that was that's the crew. Also had Alan Patrick, uh, Joaquin Iglesias, and um, Austin English. Little Canadian Texas connection there. Curtis Lofton didn't end up too bad. Yeah, no. Brody Eldridge ended up a pretty decent little player Brody? for him. The defensive end from Lacine, Kansas. What about? Lassine? Can't remember. That was kind of in that era when most of their recruiting class would just disappear. There, there were some. There, yeah. They had some <laughs> real hits and some real misses. One of the all timers, Aaron Cummings from Bray. Oh boy! Wow. I remember one that was that was a was that he was, a donkey? That was pre Dalton Wood. Like that was pre Dalton Wood. Aaron weirdness. Cummings was the first Dalton Wood. Well, he actually was here for a year, but he just like disappeared into the ether. Like, yeah. never to be heard from again. Still, like, to this day, nobody knows where he is? I don't know. Maybe I should investigate. Speaking of, I don't know if Go he's down and get some Taco Tico. And Dalton Wood. Is Bray down by... Uh, oh, yeah, it's right by Marlowe. Is it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's Carrie stomping Bray Doyle. That term. It's Bray Doyle. They're the donkeys. They're the donkeys. Yeah, they are the donkeys. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're the donkeys. Surprised you knew that. I'm, I'm impressed. I know a lot of high school mascots. Are you autistic? Kind of. Something like that. You're on the spectrum. There's something wrong with me. It's a lot of the lesser guys, as you look through this class, that ended up being really good players. Uh, like I mean, said, Alan Patrick. I mean, Curtis uh, Lofton was clearly the best player in that class, but sure. Austin English might have been the second best. Yeah. At OU? Uh, Duke Robinson was a really good player. Oh, yeah. That's when uh, Kevin Sumlin and, was a good player. Kevin Sumlin yep. and uh, Kale Gundy just like went to Atlanta all the time back then. <laughs> uh what are we Carrie, going on there? You, you remember when they got? You think they're going on recruiting trips like uh, Tom sp- Herman and <laughs> Zach Smith went on? I don't know. <laughs> I'm already blocked on Twitter by Kale, so what does it matter? Sure. No, I don't know. They just decided that Atlanta was going to be a priority for them, and they actually did they pretty had a decent. Really, they had a lot of really good players coming out yeah. of there. They still do. If you can get like, if you go to cities like Los Angeles, Miami, and Atlanta. And you even get like the two guys, one point five tier. Yeah, not not even the elite of the elite. You're getting really good football players. Yeah, there's I mean, a reason Mark Rick was the most underachieving coach in the history of college football. Yeah, there's a reason so, there's Georgia guys all over the NFL. Mark Rick never did he ever win? What he win one SEC title? I think that's right. Yeah, I think it was the one, and then. Was that the same year? Did they win it that year? Then they beat the crap out of like Utah, or or was it the other way around? Utah beat the crap out of them. It might have been Boise. You're thinking about? Yeah, I can't remember. There was some. There was some weird Sugar Bowl. I'm trying to remember how that went. No, they won the SEC, and it was the year he beat the crap out of Colt Brennan. Uh, from oh, Hawaii. And, remember they, yeah, Hawaii, Hawaii had that great offense yeah. that year, and they Mark beat Rick the won the SEC of. twice: 2002 and 2005. Hmm. Okay. Well, and then he disappeared. <laughs> and then he was average forever. All right. Well, Josh, I know you got to run. We got a couple things, uh, housekeeping things that we can uh, finish up with here, too, uh, from uh, Sunday and Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch. So uh, we'll let you go and uh, look forward to that uh, interview with uh, David Aguebu. Now that everybody knows that you're doing that, they're going to demand you get it up immediately, which I very much enjoy. I, I shall. I'm going to go over the, Starbucks once Since you are the king over. of of uh we're recording the podcast now that's so you're just so hurtful you know it, it, you're very upset about this i'm jason kersey i'm sorry that carrie hurt you i'm sorry no i, I like that you do that because it forces me to sit here and get it out fast so 
It's the only thing that does. All right, Josh. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, it. man. All right, so uh, there's uh, Josh for question. And guys, the only thing I kind of wanted to hit on, uh, coming up uh, at the end of this month, January 29th and 30th. Board of Regents. They will have the Board of Regents meeting where uh, we're going to learn a lot of things like how much money exactly Lincoln Riley is going to be making moving forward. And he did happen to mention uh, the other day, or he was asked about kind of the NFL talk and, and OU kind of showing the faith in him and, uh, giving him big old fat contract. I'm I'm, I'm very thankful for it. Uh, you know, our Joe, uh, President Gallagher, you know, there's just been a ton of support. You know, and that's that's you know one of the big reasons that somebody in this business you know wants to stay at a place like this when there are other options out there. You know, is that you you feel like you got great people in the trenches with you and people there to support you and, and give you what you need to be successful. And they've. Oklahoma's always done that, you know, personally for me, they've always done that for this football program. That means a ton. And I think they I think a lot of people believe in the direction, uh, the trajectory of this program right now. Uh, we certainly do. And to have the support of so many good people behind you, again, that's that's uh, what what makes this place special. So I'm very thankful for it and very excited about the future. Uh so the twenty ninth is uh the first day of the Regents meetings. I, I would that stuff usually happens pretty quickly, and they just kind of have to release it uh, to the public. But uh, we should find out the, the full details of Alex Grinch's contract as well. You think Manning and Odom will be done I don't too? know, because that stuff usually happens, you know. I, I, I do because they're new hires. Now, like the raises for like Bill Biedenboe and Kale Gundy and all those guys, that usually happens in the June or July meeting. So... Uh, I don't know that we'll get an entire set, but we'll definitely we definitely should find out something on the new hires, uh, which is the three guys on defense: Manning, uh, Odom, and then um, uh, Alex Grinch, of course, and then of course Lincoln Riley's new contract. Over six million. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. seven. Ooh, I don't know. Six point four. Ordering that. In between six point five and seven. If I were gonna guess, and it'd be a total guess. I, when I asked someone, I said over five, and they said, oh, yeah. Over five? They but it had oh, to yeah. be over five because he was close to that as it was. I mean, I think it'll be, I would say, six two. Six two five. Six two five would put him just, and this is just based off last year's salaries in 2018. Uh, that would put him. One, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. And I'm not saying that's that put him eighth overall. That put him in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, Dabo Sweeney made uh, six point five last year. Kirby Smart made six point six. Uh, Gus Malzahn six point seven. Jimbo Fisher six, seven point five, and then obviously uh, Saban Meyer and Harbaugh all making more than that. But that's probably about right. I don't know how much longer Harbaugh is going to be making that. Tom Herman made five and a half million last year. I don't know if he has a. Uh, I'm a sure. Bump, he, I'm sure he escalator. made a bump after the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I will say this: like, definitely in top ten. Riley's bonuses were weird. Like they 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 didn't seem commensurate with you know what Bob had had. Like I think he made one hundred and fifty thousand. But I'm just from saying the Big twelve in the playoff. Yeah, but I'm just saying alone. they were like that was it. It wasn't like they didn't have a lot of different kinds of bonuses i think it was just playoff and big 12 i think he has some it didn't kind of seem like the playoff was all that 
big. I think that was only like $50,000 or something. I want to say that Riley also has a bump in his pay for uh, Team GPA. But there's a lot of coaches that do. Joe C does, I know. I don't know if football coach has that. Everybody getting in the, the study halls, okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Well, if anybody's really responsible for that, you got to think it's the athletic director. Oh, yeah. Because they're the ones that have to press the coaches on that. Listen, if I was getting a pay raise based on kids' schooling, those kids, those guys would be in study hall when they're not in when I, they're not in practice. This was corrected, but I remember the the weirdest thing that ever happened was that Joe Castiglione. I don't know if it was the same, but it was either equal or more. His pay raise for Patty Gasso winning a national championship in softball was more, I think, than she got for winning a national championship. And everybody was like, "Oh, that's not right," and they fixed that pretty quick. It's just probably one of those things like it's women's softball. You don't really think about, you know, this is what, this is not a super revenue sport. You said it. I didn't. I'm trying to build them a new stadium. They're getting a new stadium. I want. We need something bigger. It's they got to raise enough. some. Money. Not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> not good enough for Patty. I've made an oath to her that you I. You don't like that corner. No, we need something bigger. Tear down Lloyd Noble. Tear down one side of the practice course. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Maybe we could build it in that field so people will stop f- flying model airplanes over there. Oh, they need their space. They need their space for that. It's a good area. It's all the way they've south been, of campus. They've been doing that ever since I was a kid. Flying uh, planes They over used there? to race RC cars in the parking lot of Lloyd Noble when I was a kid. Probably a pretty good parking lot for that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's kind of torn apart now, though. Uh, any other order of business you guys want to hit on before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. Uh, Bob and I will be in Stillwater this evening for Bedlam basketball. We kind of talked about it at the beginning of the show, didn't we? Just as far as this is a well, we said kind of a pivotal game for the uh, for the group. Been a rough. It's been a rough week. Is this team any good on the road? No, they've, they've lost, lost nine of nineteen of the last twenty one well on the road. At, they played well at Tech, though. They've they, played well on the road. They just uh, haven't won any. And they played lost, well at Texas. They've lost eleven in they a row. Just, the I only mean, that fumble out of bounds by Christian James at the end of the Texas yeah. game just got hurt. Oh, it was bad. The only dud they had was last week at home against Kansas State. Oh, yeah. And well, Kansas I State, could see that coming. Kansas State might be one of the best teams, now the hottest teams back. in the country yeah. right they, now. They might be the best team in the Big 12. I yeah, mean, they might be. They might we be. know West Virginia's not good. No, Oklahoma West State's Virginia's not awful. good. We don't know if Oklahoma... Oklahoma's decent. Texas is okay. I think on any given night, Oklahoma's in that... Probably five to eight range. Baylor is that teetering on crazy. not okay, aren't they? No, I mean, with the Sooners, you believe that when they play at home, they can beat anybody. Yeah, when they, they play on they the road, they can lose to everybody. Yeah. I think Iowa State, Kansas. I think Iowa State's pretty good. Iowa State, Kansas, and Kansas State, I think, are the three best teams. Because, I mean, tech, tech's tech, falling a little bit. About or, I mean, tech, I two weeks ago, I would have, I, tech, two weeks yeah. ago, I would definitely have Tech in there. Tech's, they've lost three in a row, three, right? Yes, the last three. They played Duke down to the wire. Yeah. They just, I, I think it's a lot of it has to do with this conference. Like, I think that, and maybe we'll see in a weird way this weekend with the uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge type thing. Um, Oklahoma's Vanderbilt coming in. But it, it, I think that the Big 12 is... Very, very good. And on any given night, if you don't play well, you can get beat, whether you play at home or on the road. I think that's kind of been proven here over the last couple of nights. The thing that you do know, or that I think is a certainty in this conference right now, is the later you play Oklahoma State, the better 
because that team is going to wear out. Yeah. They don't have any bodies. No, and that's why it's important for OU to win tonight, just because you're not going to – you clear them off the schedule after yeah. this. You're not going to have an easy win at home on the way uh, Which, why, on the why back Why are we half. clearing off Bedlam this early? I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's been weird. The, the it's la- stupid. The last it's two, a football state. last well, two, two years, their home game at Lloyd go. Noble has been during break. Way to go, Big no, 12. No students. I don't know, though. Would you rather have uh, – I mean, the, the way it's played out now – I, think, I do know you have to wait until football is over to have OU OSU basketball to get any excitement in this state about college basketball. Yeah, they're not going to be excited anyways. I, I, especially with the way the Oklahoma State seems to be trending in one direction. I, I say just get them out of the way. I'd rather have a Texas Tech at home later on in the season than um, the other way around, if that makes sense. They're going with senior night against Kansas. Texas <laughs> Tech could be number one in the country. Nobody's getting excited about the Red Raiders coming to Norman. If they were the number one team in the country, there would be. Mm, I disagree. There, there'd, be more, there'd be people there. It'd be better than what they had at Kansas State. at the People that have no, no, I don't know, feel for history. And we're talking about Vandy coming in. That's the worst team in the SEC. So it'd be... I think that there's one that I wrote about today is those wins that all look good, USC, Florida, Notre Dame, Wichita State, none of those teams are doing anything. And so maybe yeah. this is what OU is. They're just middle of the tier. Oh, I, I definitely you know? think there's a lot of that. But well, offensively, at the same time, I think we can say offensively OU is not good. No, no they, mean, don't have, they don't have a go-to guy. The enemy might be coming that guy. He he has no problem pulling some shots up there in the uh, close games. I mean, that takes some kind of some brass balls to be able to do that yeah. as a freshman. Yeah, maybe Christian James should borrow them from time to time. He's a good player, though. I yeah. like the enemy. With the OU Vand, uh, Vandy game, that will be Junior Day, and they'll also be honoring the 2018 Big 12 Championship football team. Junior Day, any uh, any big? What's what's the big? Uh, got a few big names there. There's Bob. some. What's funny is there's just as many for 2021 as there are for 2020. I think the biggest name we're all wondering about is five-star running back Zach Evans from mm-hmm. the Houston area, whether or not he's going to be able to make it. He relies on his brother for transportation to everywhere, so you just don't know. Sometimes he shows up. Sometimes it's a last-minute thing where he, he has to cancel. So that's sort of the name we're all waiting on, but you, it's a good list. I think the next junior day will be bigger because that's when Odom, Mann, and Grinch will all feel a lot more comfortable. But this Saturday will be the first chance where you really get to see what those guys can do with the 2020 and 2021 classes. Uh, that was a fantastic report uh, from Bob Presbillo telling uh, OU Bagmen how to take care of Zach Evans' brother. Maybe a car purchase would help. Getting off of work, too. Job. Car. <laughs> Checking Bagman. Check. People are so needy these days. All right, well, thanks to uh, Josh McQuistian, who has left uh, for site business. Thanks to Eddie Radosevich. Thanks to Bob Prisbillo. I am Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys right back here next week. By the way, a uh, huge thank you to all you guys. Over 34,000 individual downloads of the podcast last week. Uh, let's get to 35 this week. So appreciate you guys listening. Okay, appreciate you telling your friends. Gotta get. I, I was wondering if you're going to have a podcast without an F-bomb let's go 45, in 45,000. 45,000. I think we'll get there eventually. Let's have enough downloads of the podcast that you can fill Boom Pickens Stadium. That's interesting. It's like 60? 65? 65? Well, are we talking at capacity or a normal OSU game? Oh, no, capacity. It's what it's listed Capacity, yeah. That's what I want. 
And then next time we can match Boone Pickens' age. That'd be 85, and we'll add three zeros, so 85,000. Okay. Uh, He's still kicking. I don't know if he's 85. I'm glad he's doing well. I think he's older than that. Okay. Sounds young. Whatever. All right, so uh, thanks for listening to the uh, Chalk Talk Casino and Resort in Durant unofficial 40 podcast. We'll see you guys back here next week.